Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Hi, this is Pastor Paul Johnson, host of Life Support. Over these three years, we've had the privilege of getting to know Tim and Janita Pace. Tim is a pastor in the Twin Cities area and Janita, a mental health professional. They've been very upfront about Janita dealing with depression and Tim dealing from not only a husband's perspective, but as a pastor too. For the first time, they recently shared their story in front of an audience at their own church and our cameras were there to capture the event. This is two parts and moderated by their friend, Pastor Paul Marzon from Crossroads Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. The evening is called Dealing with Depression. I'm Reverend Dr. Paul Marzon and it's a joy to be here this evening to share this evening with you and we're going to have a great conversation with Tim and Janita Pace in a few moments. And before I do, I just want to introduce myself. Um, I'm a pastor here locally at a church called Crossroads Church in uh, Northern Lakeville. And some of my background experience has been in the area of trauma and in recovery and then also doing a lot of counseling around depression and grief. And so I was blessed when they gave me the call to say, would you be willing to MC tonight? I said, absolutely. I should have said you should ask my wife, but she's too busy um, because she's even better. She's a fire and police chaplain. In fact, um, she was just on call a few moments ago to report a death of someone who had passed away. And so she's actually with the family right now. And so one of those things that we are blessed in ministry but also have to sometimes struggle with is dealing with the things that are harder walks of life with people and to come alongside them. I was so blessed yesterday because we're doing a sermon series actually on this very thing. We're talking about depression, uh, loneliness, anger, and I've been telling people to come to this tonight. And last uh, yesterday I gave a quote actually from Janita on the healing names of Jesus. And one of the sections in there that I shared with was the story that she gave about the blessing of a broken heart and how when your heart is broken, you can then share it with other people. And that was just so touching that when I shared it on Sunday, you could just see hardly a dry eye in the house. <laughs> and it just goes to show that how your, your book and also your ministry has really helped bless so many people. And I think that's why there's such a great turnout tonight. Amen? And so without any further ado, I'll just kind of share with you, there's going to be a, a presentation tonight um, explaining some various things that are on their heart that we know that you came here tonight to hear. And also uh, an opportunity for you to have some questions and answers given. So we'll be having um, the conversation, and then we'll also be having a break where you can um, go out in the hallway. There's going to be some books and things for sale that we'll talk more about later. And then you'll have that opportunity to come back in and share in some questions and answers. So um, do you mind if I pray with you? Is that okay? Well, graciously, if you feel comfortable, put your hands all along with me. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for Tim and Janita and just the blessing the of their sharing tonight from their heart, but also from their experience of working with so many people. And Lord, we know that both their head and heart work together as they counsel and as they coach, as they advise and as they pray and as they share. And tonight we just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you use them as instruments of your love and grace. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We are so grateful that you are here tonight because this is a topic that is near and dear to our hearts because we have walked this journey. My name is Janita Pace, and um, I'm a licensed professional counselor in Minnesota, and I, I wrote the book, um, The Healing Names of Jesus, and I'm an adjunct professor with the University of Northwestern. But more importantly, I'm someone that has walked this journey, and so tonight we're just so grateful that you're here. And I'm Tim Pace. I'm Janita's husband. I'm the pastor of adult ministries and outreach uh, at uh, Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Minnesota. 
I received an undergraduate degree in Bible and in pastoral ministry from Columbia International University and a master's degree in theological studies also from Columbia International University. And so tonight, like I said, we are going to be sharing our story. Now, this story is sometimes hard for people to hear because we are going to give you an, in, you know, an inside look and what it's like um, for me as someone who has gotten to the very edge of my depression and for Tim, who's a caregiver. And part of our passion is to address both those that are suffering and those who are trying to help those who are suffering. So tonight, we're going to walk you through our story and then give you some ideas and some tips on what we've learned along the way and what we've seen God do in our lives. Our story really begins in college. Uh, Janita and I met in undergrad uh, in our sophomore year at Columbia International. Uh, I was there because I felt this strong calling into ministry. I grew up in North Carolina in the Bible Belt, and I became a, a believer when I was in high school. And I passionately wanted other people, people who grew up in a cultural Christianity, to have an authentic relationship with Jesus. I really saw myself becoming a pastor one day and giving my life to that calling. So when Janita and I met, uh, it, it, felt, it felt like I'd found the perfect partner. Uh, our visions were very similar for what we wanted in, in, in ministry, and so were our passions. And after a short courtship, I proposed to Janita, and we got married in August of 2000. It was the summer before our senior year in undergrad. When I say short, we dated for like three months. So, <laughs> But we just knew. We just knew. But, you know, shortly after we got married and we started our life together, I had always been very ambitious. I was working full-time. I was going to school. And I started to change. And I noticed those changes happened very rapidly. Um, I began to have a hard time waking up. I, I just wanted to sleep all the time. And the covers on my bed felt so heavy. I was having a hard time focusing and concentrating. And so my work performance began to slip. And I began to feel very worthless, very broken. When I looked in the mirror, I did not like what I saw. And I had a hard time understanding what my worth was at that point. And so as I began to struggle, I began to withdraw and isolate. And the more I isolated, the more alone I was. The cycle just began to become out of control. And as a young married couple still in college, we had our senior year yet to finish uh, we were pretty strapped financially, as you can imagine. I had to take on uh, several different jobs to make ends meet. I was an associate pastor and a youth pastor at a, at a small church plant. I was also painting houses and delivering office supplies uh, at, while being a full-time student. It was a busy time. But, you know, when Janita and I were dating, I, 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 the Janita that I had come to know and love was a very capable, very uh, strong person. And so I really didn't think anything about her being at home alone or me being gone for long periods of time because she was just so, um, she was just su such a capable person. And uh, to be honest, I really didn't even notice her, her symptoms, that she had been sleeping too much, that she was going out less and less. I just thought, really, because we had so much going on in our lives that she was just, she was just tired. Yeah, and the only way I can describe my depression at that point was I tell people to picture what it's like if you fall into a well and you break both of your arms on the way down. And I'm at the bottom of this dark well, and I have no idea how to get out, and I don't have the physical capability to do it. But I don't want to have anyone else come down to get me. I don't want to ask for help. That's the last thing I want. And so you, you become stuck because you can't do it yourself, but you definitely don't want your loved ones to have to struggle to come get you. And so as I got stuck there, suddenly I felt like there was only one way out, and it wasn't going to involve anyone else to help me. I finally decided the only way out was to commit suicide. 
And I decided that that was actually going to be a loving act because I would be saving my family from having to come and rescue me. And I remember when I decided that was actually the most loving thing I could do for my husband. You know, even though I didn't notice at first what was going on with Janita, there was this, this point where I did start to notice. And as a, and as a pastor and doing things uh, at, with church functions and that kind of thing uh, all the time, I started to get really embarrassed that she wasn't coming to very many things, that she was, she was staying at home. And uh, looking back now, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I actually put a lot of pressure on her uh, at that time to, to come to stuff. Like, why, why won't you come? Just come to this one thing. It's embarrassing, you know, when you're, when you're not there. And I didn't even realize it, that, that uh, even me putting that kind of pressure on her then just fed into the lies that she was already starting to believe from the enemy, that, that she was worthless. And, and even the lie that I would be better off uh, without her just uh, because she was holding me back. Yeah, and I think looking back, both of us didn't realize the tailspin that we were in at the time, and we weren't communicating about it. I was keeping it a secret, and when he did see signs, I begged him not to tell anyone, and so we were both very isolated. And I remember when I decided to commit suicide, I I gathered the medications that I was going to use. I wrote something out to Tim. Um, he left for work on Wednesday night, and I had prepared everything. And again, I, I really thought this was the most loving thing that I could do for him. That night was a, was a Wednesday, and I, I left for work like I always do. There was youth group that I was leading that night. Uh, but about halfway to church, it was like a 20-mile commute, uh, I realized that I had left my pager at home. And lately, Janita had been... Did you say been, pager? Actually, I did say pager. <laughs> just, so, just this is a good, while ago. This is an old story. <laughs> you might have to you know, tell the younger crowd what that is, yeah. <laughs> So it was the only way that she could reach me uh, at work, and she had been paging me a lot. And I thought, I really, I really need to get, go, go back and get this. And I, it was going to make me late and everything, but I, I just thought, I need to do it. So I turned the car around, and when I got back home, I, I opened the door, and, and what I saw, when, when I saw the scene that I walked into, my, my world just stopped. It, uh, Janita was on the sofa uh, crying, and she had this bottle of pills in her hand, and it was open. And I wasn't sure if I could believe what I was seeing. All I could think about was, you know, I've got to get her to the hospital. I knew that she had been had been taking these pills. I didn't know how many of them she had taken. I didn't know what was going on, but I just knew I had to get her to the hospital. And she she was crying. And then when I when I started to to, to pick her up, she she did not want to go, and I had to to physically carry her out of the house, and she was fighting me every, every step of the way. She was actually angry with me, and she was pleading, please just leave me here, let me, let me finish what I was trying to do. And uh, she fought so hard, uh, this tiny little person, that, that she actually pulled a muscle in my, my lower back just trying to get her into the car. That's how hard she was fighting. Yeah, and I was so shocked when he came home. And, and again, I, when, it's so hard when the pain is in your head. And I was in so much pain. And when he came home, I felt like he took the power that I had to stop hurting away from me. And so when he came home, he was, he was rescuing me. But in my upside-down, twisted way of seeing things, he was taking away my opportunity to end the personal hell that I felt in my soul and in my head. And so the more he fought to tell me we have to go to the hospital, the more I fought back because I didn't want to suffer anymore. I did not want to suffer anymore. And so when I saw him, I saw my opportunity for relief going away. And usually when you take someone to the hospital, they, they know they're sick. They even want to get to the hospital as quickly as they can because they, 
they want to be helped. But that was not the experience that we were having that night. And then uh, when, I, when I got to the hospital, I, there, was a, there was a certain um, uh, expectation that I had because I'd taken people to the hospital before. And, and so I have this kind of uh, expectation in my mind of what that was going to be like. But even that was, was very different. You know, uh, the hospital staff actually, uh, once, once they found out what was going on, they, they took her uh, away from me, and she was still fighting, so they forcibly took her. Uh, I had to sign documentation that night that she was being admitted against her will. And then I wasn't allowed uh, to go back with her. I couldn't go see where they were putting her, what room she was going to be in. I couldn't help get her settled. They just, uh, they just took her back behind this door that locked behind them when they went in there. She was just taken from me. So there I was at the hospital alone, and then they, and they told me that I can't even call her on the phone until they say I can, and it was going to be a while. And I've been through so many scary experiences in my life, but I can tell you that was the scariest experience of my life. And for those of you in the room that maybe have been admitted to a psychiatric hospital, it's terrifying. Um, you, you're searched, and things are taken from you, and again, the nurses were doing what they needed to do. So they were handling it as lovingly as they could, but it's still scary. And they gave me my room, and I was told I had no contact with anybody outside of the hospital. And so I felt so isolated, so alone. I, my parents didn't even know at this point that I'd been struggling. I hadn't told any of my friends. And so Tim was going home alone. I was alone in the hospital. And it was in one of those situations, you know what it's like when you don't even know what to read in the Bible. I mean, you've come to a place where you don't even know what to look at. And so I was just flipping through the Bible, and I stumbled on Psalm 121, which is now my favorite psalm. And it talks about our help coming from heaven and that God doesn't sleep. And so I, because of my cognitive you know, frustrations, because of the depression, I was having a hard time understanding. But I understood that psalm, and so I read it day and night over and over and over. And like Janita said, as she, as she was feeling so alone in, in the hospital, like, uh, I'd gone home and, and there was that similar kind of alone feeling. I walked into the door. The house was still a mess the way that it was when I had, when I had left it. We had a, a, a small dog named Toby, a little Shih Tzu, and he was in the corner uh, crying. And I remember that, that first night uh, getting in bed and Toby got into bed with me and uh, it was like, uh, it was like for the first time, all of those visions that we had for our future, for the great ministry that we were going to do, for all of, the, all of those youthful just dreams and ambitions that we had were just wiped away. And I had no idea what the future was going to hold. I had no idea what was coming next, where, where we were going to be. And it was just uh, really, uh, to say it was disorienting is, is just a, a huge understatement. But, you know, finally, uh, the day came when... when she was, going to get, she was going to get released, and I was going to get to go and pick her up. And so I, I went to the hospital, and it, it, it felt very much like the feeling when, when you're bringing your firstborn child home from the hospital, where I just I felt overwhelmed and, and happy. I was, I was glad that she was coming home, but I also felt completely unprepared. And, uh, and she was going through something that I had never experienced. I couldn't relate to her on, on hardly any level from the pain that she was she was experiencing, and, and from, I, I couldn't relate to her challenges. And so I really, I just didn't know what to do to care for her, but I just knew that I, I, was, glad to, I was glad to get her home. And when I got home, I was so embarrassed and I was so ashamed because what I had worked so hard to keep a secret was now open for everyone to know. There was no hiding it now. And so I was hiding away in my house. I was so ashamed, and I had a 
dozen voicemails from different people wishing me well, letting me know that they were praying for me. And one of them was from a Bible professor we had at the time named Steve Bradley. And Steve just said, hey, Janita, I was thinking about you last night. I sat up straight in bed, and I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to read this to you. And he started reading Psalm 121. And I still get emotional because that was my sign. God did not leave. Have you been there where you thought, God's gone? And so I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was coming in the future. But that was my sign that he hadn't left me yet. And so Steve asked me, could I meet his, his wife, Pat? And I didn't want to meet anybody. <laughs> so I said no. <laughs> but he was insistent. And he said, Pat understands you because she had depression and when we were on the mission field. And this is her passion, and so you really should meet her. And um, Pat was very short and very uh, opinionated, very stout, and very strong. And feisty. she feisty. <laughs> and yeah. she came over. And what was so beautiful is that Pat had the experience. She understood what I was talking about. I didn't have to explain this to her. And she just said, look, God's going to use this. And I know you don't believe it, but I will carry the hope for you. You just keep going, and I will carry it with you. And there'd be times when um, well-meaning people would try to give me books or advice, um, and they would kind of give me these, I call it the just do it Christians, you know, just pray, just read. And she would say, Janita, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you don't have bootstraps. And right now, you don't have bootstraps. And so she protected me from people who, well-meaning Christians, who were giving me very difficult and hard advice. And we, you know, we... Uh, we really didn't know how alone we were going to be. I think Janita had more of an instinct for, for that than I did. I, I felt completely naive looking back. But, uh, you know, I, I worked at a church. I was, I was an associate pastor. I thought for sure the church is going to be an understanding and a safe place for me to be. And I'd taken some time off when Janita was being released from the hospital to, to, to spend that with her. And... Uh, and, and so uh, I, I began to call the, the pastor when it, when it was time to go back to work. And I just said, you know, can you come and, and see us and, and just pray for us? But days passed, and then I, I went back to work, and then I saw him at work, and, and, and no one ever came. And then, so I, I decided to ask him again, you know, could, could you come and just pray with us? I just want, I just want to, to have, I wanted to feel really like I had an ally uh, in this. And uh, so... Uh, I, like I said, I asked him again, and, and then finally he said that he would come, and, he, and we set a date, and, and he came over. And when he got there, he brought a couple of the elders uh, with him. And while they were there, they, they started to tell Janita that, uh, that she needed to start uh, confessing her sins. And, and, and they were trying to figure out what sins it was that she had, that she had committed or we had committed that had led her into this uh, depression. And when the light came on for me that that's what was happening I just I I felt I, I couldn't believe it I, I, I just felt so betrayed and uh like my my but my hurt quickly turned into anger I just I, I thought all I want to do is get these guys out of my house away from my wife before they make things worse and so I uh uh quickly just uh kind of pushed them out and then when they finally left, I realized for the first time that Steve and Pat were our only allies at the moment. And Janita, who was already so embarrassed and, and felt so ashamed, she, she didn't want anyone to know. And now 
because of the, the judgmental response that we got from our, our pastor and elders, that uh, her, her fears were just being uh, reaffirmed. Uh, now she was really uh, afraid. Now she was really embarrassed. Now she was really certain that, that we couldn't let anybody in. And before, I'd believed that, that we could be transparent, especially with, with, uh, you know, with church people and, and that kind of a thing. But uh, what I realized was that her fears were, were founded in, in, in reality at that moment. And so now I was afraid uh, to, to tell more people. I was afraid to reach out. And, and then because the, uh, the pastor was my boss and the elders were, were over me, I thought I, I might even lose my job because of this. Yeah, and you don't know who to trust. And you still might struggle. Who do you trust with this information? What Christians are going to understand and which ones aren't? Um, well, Pat and Steve continue to be daily in our lives. Uh, Pat would call me in the morning. If I wasn't up, she would drive over to my house. She would help me get out of bed. Um, she was coaching me. Um, there were times when I couldn't understand the Bible because my cognitive skills were so um, injured by the depression. And so she would tell me Bible stories and she would tell me Psalms because she knew I couldn't read them. And if I got confused, then she would explain them to me. And so she was almost like, imagine like somebody baby feeding someone the Bible. I mean, she was really just providing me the sustenance I needed in a way that I could understand it. And I began to get stronger, and I began to understand more and more about what depression meant, and that I didn't have to be ashamed. But again, I wasn't sure who I could trust my story with. And about three weeks into Pat mentoring me, I got a phone call from Tim. He was at work, and he was distraught. And he told me that Pat had died suddenly. She had, it was a sudden, it was a, it was a medical um, situation, and she had died very suddenly. And I was so angry. I told God, you took my one person. You gave me one person, and you took them. And so I remember putting on my shoes. I thought, I'm going to go for a walk. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was walking to the mailbox, and I was just angry. Have you been angry at God before? Frustrated. You took my one person. And I got to the mailbox. I'll never forget it. I opened the mailbox, and there was a letter she mailed the day she died. And it just said, God, God will use this. And I thought, I don't believe it, but maybe now I do. <laughs> Because I needed that note. And she wrote down, all, all it said, it was, it's just like Pat, it was the shortest card ever. <laughs> it just said, I'm writing this down because I know you don't believe me, but I want you to remember that God will use this. Like a big smiley face. And so I took that card home, and I thought, okay, I don't know what's coming next, and I, I understand that we're in the middle of probably the hardest time in our marriage, but God will use this. You know, as part of uh, the conditions of her release from the hospital, Jeanette was required to go to counseling. And so we started to interview Christian counselors, and we interviewed several of them uh, that, we, that I just thought, these, uh, they're not a good fit for, for different reasons. And then finally, we, we did find this lady who, who uh, worked well for us. And so we were talking to her in one of our first sessions, and, and I was telling her how people at church... Uh, kind of didn't know how to respond to us anymore. They didn't know how to how to treat us like 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 uh, uh, it was like all of a sudden we were broken, and so people didn't want to like touch us or get close to us because of that. And I said, I just I, you know we need some support. I knew that we ne- we needed somebody else, and and you know we just lost Pat not not very long ago, and so she said in that in that meeting that you know you guys need to move back to Minnesota. If you go to Minnesota, Janita's parents are there, her family's there. They've only known Janita the way that she has always been, and they're going to treat her the way that she's always, the, the way they've always treated her, and it'll help her to find herself again. And, 
in that moment, I, I don't know if you've had these experiences before when, when, you, when the Holy Spirit just touches your heart and you know that, that, that those are words uh, that are just right on. And I knew that that was absolutely the right advice. So that uh, after, the, after the session, we went home, we called Janita's parents and asked if, if it'd be possible for us if we were to move to Minnesota to stay with them for a while until we could kind of get our feet on the ground. And so, uh, of course, they agreed wholeheartedly. And the very next day, I, I turned in my notice at work. Yeah, so we moved to Minnesota. And I have to say, it was so refreshing to be around people that knew the real me. I mean, I fell into the arms of my parents, my cousins, my brothers, um, people who recognized who I was and that what was happening to me wasn't the actual me. And they advocated for me. They helped me figure out that maybe a dialectical behavior therapy program would be good, which is an outpatient group therapy program. Um, I was trying to get on medications, and it wasn't going well. And so with me as I was trying to sort that out. And so it's kind of like suddenly we had a team of people around me, and those people knew me. They knew the real me, and they knew that this was just a challenge I was going through. And from my perspective, uh, especially for the first year, I, I didn't really uh, see a lot of stability yet in, like, in Janita and the, uh, the depression and that kind of thing. And uh, I'd gotten a job, and so I'd go to work, and then, and then Janita, after a while that, that year, had, had gotten a job. And so she would, go to, um, she would go to counseling, and she would go to work, and then she would come home and just, just living through that normal uh, daily kind of stuff like that was just uh, a lot for her, and she would be exhausted. You've been listening to part one of Dealing with Depression, as Tim and Janita Pace shared their story in front of their own congregation. Next week, we will continue this conversation, and we thank you once again for listening to Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.